0: I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy.
1: And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy.
0: And you, well, you're listening to Schmanners.
1: And it's Extraordinary Etiquette for Ordinary Occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? You thought you could fool me.
0: I didn't, you thought actually. That I
1: could. that you would knock me off balance, but cool. you didn't.
0: Quite the opposite, actually. As soon as I did it, I was worried I knocked you off balance. <laughs> How are you, besides uh, hot and sunny? Oh.
1: Um, Well, you know, same old, same
0: old. It's warm here, it's 910, and it's like 85 degrees uh, right now in the booth.
1: Yeah.
0: Hi. Uh, Sorry there was no episode last week. Uh, we, We lost power, and we're sorry. It's fixed now, and we're back, yay! Oh, also, thank you to everybody who came out to the Boston show. Yeah. Where we did a really fun schmanners about colonial weddings, which I'm sure at some point you'll hear in the future,
1: yay! Indeed.
0: But that's not what we're talking about today on this day. Today, on this day, what are, or rather, who are we talking about?
1: We are talking about Mabel Hampton.
0: What an you know, awesome name.
1: I, oh, you like it? I do. Yeah. It's it's just another in a long list of people that you should know about.
0: Mabel? Hampton. Mabel Hampton. It's just there's something evocative about it. I oh. think it, what, it, what it evokes for me is a bygone era where people name people Mabel. <laughs> that might be it. Yeah, that might be it. That might solely be it for me.
1: Um. So not only was Mabel an incredible activist, uh, she was a black woman and a force behind the artistic explosion of the Harlem Renaissance. Okay. Yeah dancer, activist, proudly out lesbian. What can't she do?
0: Okay. Um what can't she do? Let's see. Uh hover.
1: <laughs> Maybe not. Do you uh-huh. ever have
0: dreams where in the dream you feel like oh, I figured out how to hover, like I just jump and don't go down? I'm glad I finally figured it out in real life. I have that dream all the time.
1: Wow. I have a I hardly ever remember my dreams. Oh,
0: see mine are super vivid. Uh, because of Brain.
1: Maybe maybe mine are also super vivid. I just don't remember them.
0: You don't think that if they were super vivid, they would be more memorable? Then maybe you're just dreaming about walking down a gray road on a gray street with no, gray buildings? No, I don't buildings? think
1: so. I don't think so.
0: You think that if you had a dream where you figured out the secret to hovering, <laughs> and then thought, because you dreamed about it before, in the dream you thought, well, finally I figured out how to do it in real life, and then you woke up and you're like, ah, you wouldn't remember that? I don't know. Okay.
1: Anyway. None of
0: this has anything to do with Mabel Hampton.
1: Um, so like a lot of marginalized people around this time period. What uh, time
0: period are we talking? Uh,
1: early 1900s, turn oh, of the century. Yeah. Okay. Um, we don't have a lot of very concrete information about her early life. Yes. Um, she does have an autobiography of sorts and oral history that she gives, has given herself, um, but as far as her very early life, details are kind of murky.
0: That happens a lot. Frustrating.
1: Yeah. For example, yes. we know that her mother died uh, when she was very young. Was she two months old or two years old? Don't know. We know that she was taken in by a white family in her teens. Um, was she raised with them or did she just take their last name? Don't know. Um, that doesn't
0: make sense because I'm just going to be honest. Hearing the name Hampton. Hampton is a very white sounding name. To okay. you,
1: yeah, maybe. Yes. Uh, we, I
0: think it's because I think of the Hamptons. Oh, that's yeah. it. Okay.
1: Uh, we do know that she was born in Winston-Salem, North Carolina.
0: Okay. Um, We've been there, I believe. We have. Yeah. Yes,
1: we have. Uh, in 1902.
0: No, that's not when we went there. No, no
1: that's when she was born. <laughs> oh, Okay. Um, And she went to live with her maternal grandmother shortly after her mother passed. Okay. But in 1909, she was put on a train to New York City to live with her aunt and uncle.
0: Excuse me, uh, New York City? Indeed. Okay.
1: She was only there for a year because the home life was very bad. Wow. Um, And... Although there are lots of discrepancies, like I said, there's something that sticks out in in all of these accounts is that when she was eight years old and she had run away from her aunt and uncle, a kind woman on the street gave her a nickel so she could buy a bus ticket to New Jersey.
0: What was in New Jersey? Just wanted to get there?
1: Just Wanted to get there. Get okay. away from here. Okay. It was probably the closest place she could get to for a nickel. Now, let me or ask you a question. the furthest place for a nickel? Yeah.
0: Let me ask you a question. Do you think that story is supposed to be sweet? Or do you think it is a story of a very reckless adult being like, sure, eight-year-old, go buy yourself a bus ticket. Get out of here. I don't know. That's that's the first thing I thought of, like, if my am, but it's different times.
1: Different times. But if
0: my eight-year-old ran away from home and then went up to like a stranger was like, hey, I'm trying to buy a bus ticket to New Jersey. And the stranger was like, you've got a good face. Here you go, kid. I'd be like, whoa, man. No.
1: So in New Jersey is where she was taken in by a family who cared for her until she was 17. Um, And as she put it herself, once she arrived in New Jersey, she was never looking back. Miss Hampton created herself.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah. I like that. That is great. We, what we know of of this time period in her life was she was a very self-assured woman. She loved the lively artistic scene in Harlem. Um, and she had a passion for helping other people.
0: All good things.
1: All of these things. In time, will cycle through her career. Ah, um, but one thing that never changed- is
0: foreshadowing. I've heard about this before.
1: One thing that never changed is that she was always out as a lesbian. She have, also has a very famous quote about, um, asked about her coming out. She said, uh, I was never in, <laughs> right? Because like she's that. always been out. In 1919 is when she first meets- her uh, uh, brush with the law <gasps> uh, she was attending a woman only party in Harlem and was falsely accused and imprisoned for sex work
0: what okay
1: um, she said that uh, according to her that the prison imprisonment wasn't because of sus- suspected sex work although that's what's on the papers it was punishment for being a lesbian
0: oh okay
1: um, and here's the oh, that thing that sucks. But yeah, that
0: makes more sense. It does. Yeah.
1: it does. And here's the thing. Because I was
0: like, why? 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 Okay, I was very confused.
1: In prison is where she was able to really find a supportive social network for her sexuality. Um, so oh yeah,
0: other women who I assume were being detained. For similar reasons.
1: Absolutely. Uh her time in Bedford Hills, uh correctional facility for women.
0: She actually wait, she actually went to prison? Yeah. Not just like spent a couple of days in jail to no, clear it up, was, but like straight up was, went to prison?
1: She served thirteen months of a three year sentence. Yeah, out. Yeah. Okay. But like I said, this is where she really found a group of like-minded individuals. Um, you know, it gave her access to the queer prison community, uh, surrounded her with people who understood her. And she was a model prisoner. And as soon as she served that 13 months, she was back out into the city.
0: Uh, can I just say, and, and obviously false imprisonment of people continues to this day, messed up. That, yeah. Like, ugh. yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Sorry. Um, That you would get those charges, and (laughs) then it's like, that's not even why you're being charged, and like, what proof do you have? No proof. Okay, so I'm going to jail for 13 months.
1: Let's back up just a little bit and talk about the Harlem Renaissance. Okay.
0: I'd love to do that, and I can't wait to do that. But first, how about a thank you note for our sponsors? Awesome. Hello. Gather around the fire. I want to tell you a little story about a company called Quip.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, it's I'm not listening. really.
0: It's not really a story. I mean, it's the story of I started using them with my teeth feel cleaner. Oh, good. A, I mean, it has a beginning, middle, and end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, BB and I brushed our teeth at the same time with our Quip toothbrushes today. This God,
0: had me turn on. She picked up BB's uh, toothbrushes and pushed the button. My brushes are favorite. (laughs) She giggled like an absolute loon. Just (laughs) so like, it was great. It was wonderful. I love Quip. Uh, It honestly for kids, uh, we've seen it with BB now. Makes brushing fun. Um, That timer, that built-in timer, she Um, absolutely loves it. Yes, Uh, she likes structure. She enjoys it. Um, I don't know why she's a weirdo, Uh, but I also enjoy it. Teresa uses it too. The toothpaste is my favorite flavor. Uh, The mouthwash is amazing. There's all these different things. We like the floss. It's all incredible. Uh, The toothbrush has timed sonic vibrations, a lightweight design for adults and kids with no wires or bulky chargers to weigh you down and a multi-use travel cover, which comes in very handy for me. And on top of that, you can upgrade your quip with a new smart motor to track your brushing and earn rewards via your smartphone. With stylish and affordable electrical brushes starting at just $25, you will be paying through the teeth for better oral health. If you go to getquip.com slash schmanners right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash schmanners, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash schmanners. Quip, the good habits company.
1: Schmanners is also sponsored in part this week by Coterie.
0: Coterie. Uh.
1: So I have been... Getting up in the middle of the night for our children pretty much since they've been born.
0: For the last 25 years or um, so, it feels like. It
1: feels like that. Um, if there was anything that could possibly help, I want it in on it.
0: Okay. I'll travel back in time then and tell you about coterie. Great. Does that sound great?
1: Um, coterie, diapers, keep your baby comfy. which can lead to less wake-ups and more shut-eye.
0: Because here's the thing about an uncomfy baby. They can't say to you, hey, the reason I'm screaming and melting down right now is because I'm uncomfortable and you have to go through this long, like, is it this? 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 Oh, boy.
1: So Coterie has up to two times more liquid capacity, and up to four times faster moisture wicking versus other brands. They're made with clothing-grade material, giving your baby a cashmere-like feel so they are more comfortable for longer, day and night. They are dermatologist-tested, plus Coterie wipes are National Eczema Association approved. Coterie has been awarded Best Diaper and Wipes by both The Bump and Parents.com. Right now, Coterie is partnering with our podcast to offer you 20% off your first order plus free shipping at Codery.com slash schmanners. That's Coterie spelled C-O-T-E-R-I-E dot com slash schmanners for 20% off and free shipping. Coterie.com slash schmanners. A man goes to the doctor and says that he's depressed and that life seems cruel. The doctor says, Ah, the treatment is simple. The great clown Pagliacci is in town tonight. Go and see him and you will surely feel better. The man bursts into tears and says, But doctor, I am Pagliacci. Ah, okay, says the doctor. In which case, try listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. (laughs) The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Okay, so tell me about the Harlem Renaissance.
1: So it was a period uh, from like the late 1910s. Lasting until the 1930s. Okay. Um, In
0: Harlem, I see. In
1: Harlem, indeed. It's considered the golden age in black culture, um, and it spanned all the arts. We've got literature, music, uh, performance art, um, stage performances. uh, You know,
0: the art of juggling.
1: Sure. Um, Some some different uh, names you might be familiar with, uh, that are associated with the era. Langston Hughes. Yes. Louis Armstrong. Okay, yes. Josephine Baker. Sure. Great. Yeah, it was really an explosion, and I could name a bunch more, but, you know, you get the drift.
0: Name 30 more. (laughs) All right, no, just keep going.
1: Okay. Uh, So in the 20s, Mabel Hampton was – Working the stage, she was singing and dancing in an all-woman show in Coney Island. Um, And so she would have crossed paths with a lot of other performers of the time. Um, And she was known to frequent the parties of a woman named A'Lelia Walker. Okay. Does Walker ring a bell to you?
0: It does for musical theater. Because it makes me think of Colehouse House Walker oh. from Ragtime, but that's not it. No,
1: remember CJ Walker? Oh, Madam yes. CJ Walker? Yes. Yeah, it was her daughter. Oh, okay. Um, she's the only tri- God, surviving I'm a child. Nerd.
0: I can't believe that's where I went to. Okay, sorry, Madam CJ
1: Walker, uh, in case you have not listened to our podcast on that, she was the first self made female millionaire in the US and one of the first black millionaires in the country. Sure. So A'Lelia was a successful a name. businesswoman herself and a patron of the arts. And she loved to host a who's who parties. You know, everybody who was anybody was there. But the best part about.
0: You know, by the way, sorry to interrupt, but it's yeah. what I do on the show. It is. Do you know what the phrase who's who will always remem- remind me of? No. what? When I was a kid and we didn't have the Internet yet. If you wanted to send fan mail to people, there were books called the Who's Who of America and you could go and look up in this book like who the person's like agent was or where to send fan mail. And it had like the addresses for like celebrities and sports people or whatever and would like tell you where you could send their fan mail to. Huh? Yeah, I did that a lot as a kid. Not a lot. I wasn't like in there sending a hundred letters a day or whatever. But like, Were you we- asking for photographs? I did that from time to time, yes. Uh, sometimes just say like, hey, I love your work. Okay. Yeah. It's just a thing before the internet and you couldn't just tweet at people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, the thing that these parties... It has also
0: just occurred to me, the connection between the fact that I did that as a kid and now I will often tweet at people I like. and like, Hey, I like your work.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm really enjoying the show. It, re- it really tracks. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it
1: really tracks. Um, the best thing about these parties were they were queer, safe spaces. Oh, that's great. Um, and as we heard about earlier, queerness was still heavily policed and yeah. demonized at this point. Mm. Um, and so this is where a person could be themselves. Um And really... Anything you wanted to do, as long as it was consensual, was pretty much allowed. Uh, there were reports of people walking around naked. That's how they want to do it. There were uh, reports of people openly having sex with each other. That's how they want to do it.
0: Okay. And
1: it was all there, and it could. the parties could last for days.
0: Wow. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't have been able—I would have been so sleepy. I'm at two hours now. Two hours now at a party, I'm counting down. I know, you know? right,
1: I've got, I've, we need to get our like social what wh- barometers back up. Well we to- got,
0: yeah, we're gonna have to set up some obstacle courses I in the backyard. So. How long can you hold your hand inside like a bucket of ice as you pull out a drink, that kind of thing. Just work going and do small talk exercises. Okay, sorry, go on.
1: Um, so this is the period in Mabel's life where she really, like, pursued her performing dreams and, you know, met all of the artistic giants and all that kind of stuff. And the the great part is she did all of this while being an openly out lesbian. That's amazing. It's just fantastic for the time period. She had several different girlfriends um, and she, you know, would live her life Living it up in the 20s, as they said. The
0: roaring 20s, you say? The
1: roaring 20s. Excellent. She did eventually settle down. And by eventually, I mean the 30s. Ah. (laughs) She met uh, the love of her life, um, Lillian Foster, in 1932. And they remained partners until Foster's death in 1978.
0: Lillian is another great
1: name. It is, isn't it? Yes. Mabel and Lillian. That's great. Um, The Great Depression. What? Really put a damper. On
0: everything. On everything. (laughs) You know what, babe? I'm just going to (laughs) say, I could have figured that one out from the name.
1: Including performing. Yeah. Right? Um, And so performing really wasn't like, she has said uh, that when she left the, um, one of the chorus lines she was working in in Harlem. She left and a fellow performer implored her to stay. She s- refused saying, I like to eat. Yep. Yeah, gotta go find something Anyone else to Anyone who's ever
0: worked in theater has been there. When someone's like, hey, do you wanna come be in my show? I can't pay you. And you're like, nope, sorry, would love to. That sounds great, sounds like a fun show, but this is my job, friend.
1: This is when she began to explore other careers. Um, she worked as a domestic worker okay. for upper-class white families. Um, she also served as a hospital matron, uh, which means that she would lead teams of nurses uh, to ensure that patients received the best possible care, making sure like cleanliness and bedside manner okay. were like the pillars of their of their care.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it.
1: And you know. One of the ways that this influenced her later life is she was working for a family uh, and the daughter of this family was named Joan Nestle. Now, if you don't. Wait a minute. The Nestle's? No, oh. no, 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 no. Um, who would go on to establish the Lesbian History Archives.
0: Oh, I get it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the two of them really clicked, even though there was a you know decades age difference between the two. Um, they really clicked because Joan was also a lesbian uh, and Jewish. So so probably the two of them found kinship in their marginalization. Got it. Right. And so if you would like to, listeners, check out the lesbian history. Uh, archives. It's still around today and it's a very important part in Brooklyn. It is home to the world's largest organization of materials by and about lesbians and their communities. Oh awesome. It was started by Joan and a couple of and a group of other women um who were involved in the gay academic union and because they were concerned that lesbian history was being wiped off the table as soon it was, as it was being well, made.
0: We see that all the time, right? Where if there's a marginalized group, right? People want to uh, make it seem like that wasn't a part of history before blah, 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 right? And they want to be able to say like, this is a new thing and exactly. weird. And it's not like, no, actually it's been around forever. So people want to, you know, cut that. They want to cut stuff out of history that they don't agree with.
1: exactly. Um, so Mabel joined the Lesbian History Archives in 1974 um, and worked tirelessly with Joan and many other volunteers to amass as many lesbian-related materials as they could. And Mabel herself donated an enormous collection of lesbian pulp fiction novels to the archives.
0: Awesome!
1: Yeah, that's. Super cool. To I me. just love
0: pulp fiction novels. I just like that. I like, well, I yeah, like, but pulp also, fiction like, continuing on.
1: Imagine someone bringing like the things that most influenced them, yes, to be shared by ev- everyone. Yes,
0: I'm saying this is this is awesome to me.
1: That's very cool. Um, so. She proved to be a vital and enduring element in the gay rights movement of both the the 70s and the 80s and many young people in the community who didn't, you know, there weren't a lot of examples of older people who were out and proud. Right. It was considered to be very much a young person's, the youths. We're doing all of the the action, but that's absolutely not true. She was a living inspiration to many people um, who were scared that they might not make it Hmm. to live to their older years, right?
0: Especially in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, definitely.
1: It is said that she participated in every gay pride march that occurred during her lifespan, including the first march and demonstration for gay rights in Washington, D.C. in 1979, uh, and so much so that a few years later in 1985, she was named the Grand Marshal of the New York City Gay Pride March. Oh, wow. And that same year, she was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award by the National Coalition of Black Lesbians and Gays. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here's something that is really, really fun. You can hear her oral history uh, in the archives in her own voice. So I would, I would really implore you to uh, take a look at our, at our sources mm-hmm. and go and explore those archives. It is not often that you get to hear about someone's life from their own lips. And I think that's very important to continuing um, you know, growing and learning. I agree. So um, Hampton passed away on oh. October 26th. Well, you know.
0: I mean, I, yes, listen. I know if she was still alive, now she'd be at 120. I get it. <laughs> but it's always a bummer when we hit that point in someone's life.
1: Uh, In 1989. Okay. Uh, But... Her story didn't end there because she was posthumously profiled in the documentary, not just passing through, about lesbian history and all of her memorabilia and letters and ephemera and other records that she left to the archives. Um, and Another it,
0: word I love, by the way, ephemera. Yeah. Oh, it's a fun one.
1: It's a good one. It
0: just makes you think of a ghost. And I know that's not what it is, but it's okay. <laughs> uh,
1: one really great uh, record of Mabel, was taken at the 1984 New York City Pride rally, at which she was 82 years old. And
0: I would have been one.
1: (laughs) Uh, I would have been born the next year. Okay. She said, I, Mabel Hampton, have been a lesbian all my life for 82 years, and I am proud of myself and my people. I would like all of my people to be free in this country and all over the world, my gay people and my black people. I think that's very inspiring. It's about so freedom and love and, you know, being proud of who you are. And that's it. great. That was Mabel.
0: I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Mabel, for being awesome. Thank you, Alex, our researcher without whom we would not be able to make this show. Thank you, Rachel, our editor without whom we would not be able to make this show. Thank you for listening. We could make a show without you, but why? Thank you, Teresa, for being my wife.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks, Travis, for letting us keep the door open, even though it's super hot in the booth.
0: It's so hot. So hot. Um, But also thank you, Teresa, for being a great co-host and a great presenter. And I love
1: you. I love you, too.
0: Um, thank you for listening. You can go check out all the other amazing Maximum Fun podcasts. That is our podcast home. Just head to MaximumFun.org. If you want to check out the other Macroy projects, you can go to Macroy.Family. Uh, go to MacroyMerch.com. Check out all of the great merch there. As we said, thank you to everybody who came out to the Boston shows and the, the Foxwood Casino show. Uh, we have other shows coming up in late July in, I believe, Portland and San Diego. Um, maybe other places, but you can find those uh, tickets uh, once in. Just go to McElroy.Family. You can find them there. Uh, or I think it's bit.ly slash Tours. Nah, yeah, whatever. Um, you go, <laughs> hey, I believe in you. You can find it. Um... <laughs> What else, Teresa?
1: Well, we always thank Brent Brentalfloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available where those are found. Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. That's at SchmannersCast. Um, And when we have topics that we want your questions for, that is where we find them. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Uh, Go ahead and join that group today if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans.
0: That's going to do it for us, so join us again next week.
1: No, wait. What? Also, please send in your topic submissions and your idioms to our Gmail. That is schmannerscast at gmail.com. Say hi to Alex. She reads every email. now. You
0: scared the crap out of me, (laughs) madam. Oh, my Lord. Okay. That's going to do it for us. Join (laughs) us again next week.
1: No RSVP required. You've
0: been listening to Schmanners.
1: Schmanners. Schmanners. Get it.